0: Father your love is undescribable. our vocabulary is not large enough to even attempt to comprehend and to put into words who you are yet alone how much you love us and at the same time God we will thank you as we sang this morning, we will praise you for what we can ascertain and comprehend about your nature, about your grace, about your mercy, about your love because we were created to do such. You created us to give you glory. You created us to give you praise. And we thank you today that that's possible because of what Jesus did. And as Pastor Jerry reminded us today at communion about the covenant that your son mate, whereby death has passed over us because of his finished work at Calvary's cross and his resurrection. We thank you that today we are victorious, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus did. We are victorious today, not because of what we do, but because of who we know. We are overcomers because Christ overcame. Thank you that faith comes by hearing the word not having heard it. We need a fresh word today, every day in our lives. Lord, because someone today, under the sound of my voice, is facing a new mountain of opposition. Lord, remind them today that as they face that new mountain, you are the same God. Someone is going through all kinds of issues and challenges, but nothing is too hard for you. And might we all be reminded of your sovereignty today. Nothing happens in our lives without your permission and divine approval. So we trust you. And when we're struggling to believe, Lord help our unbelief. Lord now, as I open your word, please open up our hearts, open up our minds, change us because you've spoken today. Thank you, Lord, that you're used to working with broken and flawed vessels. I thank you that I qualify today to be used because I am weak. And that's when you say I am strong. Give your people ears to hear, a heart to obey and a willingness to put into practice what is spoken. We give you the glory. And if there's anyone here today who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you would move on their hearts, draw them in, and let them embrace the one who has embraced them with an undying love. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have cable, see, because when I was growing up, everybody didn't have cable. Cable was a luxury. But we all know that Wakanda Forever is now streaming on Disney+. Plus. Now, see, some of y'all might have cable, but not all of us have Disney+. Plus. I won't ask for a show of hands, but that's like a special package. And thank God for my children, because we wouldn't have Disney+, Plus if it wasn't for them. And so Wakanda Forever started streaming on February 1st, just in time for Black History Month. And so we already watched it. We're gonna watch it again. But here's what I'm excited about. I'm glad it's streaming. But I'm waiting for the Blu-ray DVD to come out. (laughs) Yeah, yes I am. I'm waiting for the Blu-ray. Because what happens with the DVD is that the DVD has bonus features. You see, as it streams, it's not going to give you the bonus features. They can't give you everything on the streaming because you would not buy the DVD. So they know what they're doing, so they're putting extra things in the DVD. And one of those bonus features will be behind the scenes, the making of Wakanda forever. And I like watching how they make these movies. You know, after you watch it, my wife will say, you know, if we're still awake, because we always usually fall asleep during the movie. But if we're awake, she's like, let's watch the bonus features and let's watch how they made it. And so we'll put that part on and we'll watch how they made it. Now, here's the thing. When you watch the making of a movie, the behind the scenes is more real than what you see on the screen. Oh, I'm going somewhere. I hope you stay with me. I, I said, what you see behind the scenes in the making of a movie is more real and authentic than what you see on the screen. Why is that? Because when you watch these movies today, there is a whole lot of what is called CGI. CGI stands for computer-generated images. So as you're watching the movie and you're seeing all of these images, nine times out of 10, they're done by the enhancement of a computer. And when you watch the behind the scenes, you get to see the actors acting in front of a green screen. And the computer puts images in the mixing and editing process on that screen, as you look at the movie, you think what you're seeing is real, but really it's just CGI, a computer-generated image. I stopped by on this first Sunday of Black History Month to let you know there's a whole lot of CGI Christians in the house. A lot of computer-generated images. In Christianity, where we're trying to uh, put forth an image on social media, Facebook, and Instagram, and TikTok, and Twitter. We're trying to put forth something that's not real. We're not letting people see the behind the scenes. We want to control a narrative, control an image to make you think we're flossing more than we're actually flossing that we're blinging more than we're actually blinging. And for the Christians, that we're more righteous than we actually are. So in the words of James Brown, who said, can I get it on the good foot? We want to put the good foot out there. But there's another foot that's back there. And that's the real deal foot. Can I get it on the bad foot? You never hear James Brown say anything like that. Because who we really are, is what we are when we are like Macaulay Culkin, home alone. I said, uh, 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 you missed it. Uh, who we really are is what we are when we're home alone. You've heard the saying, if these walls could talk. This means that in our homes, our walls see everything. Our walls hear everything, and if the walls could talk, we would all be embarrassed because many times the image that we put forward is not the real deal that we see at home. You've also heard the saying, man, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in that conversation because you know something is happening that is not going to be shared with the whole world if these walls could talk. Well, let me take you back to 1972 because I know I got a few people in here who lived during that era. I was four in 1972, but Brother Clifton and some of our other older folks, Elder Sherm, y'all know this era. The main ingredient in R&B group had a hit song in 1972. And the song says... uh, Everybody plays the fool. There's no exception to the rule. Listen, baby. It may be factual. It may be cruel. I ain't lying. Everybody plays the fool. Those brothers were prophetic with that word. Because everybody plays the fool sometime, including your pastor. Lord, help me, Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, Confession is good for the soul, but it's bad for the reputation. And so as I share, you know, behind closed doors, that's stuff I don't want y'all to see. That's stuff I don't want y'all to know. How about behind closed car doors? Uh, Just this past week, my wife and I were invited to have a meal with one of the members of the church. And as we're going over to their house, we had a moment of intense fellowship on the way to the house of the new members. Uh uh Has has that ever? Well, anyway, uh, so we're (laughs) going. And for whatever reason, that evening I, I was just a little sensitive. And my wife, my help me, is trying to help me find where this house is. And when she chimed in and said, you don't need to turn down that street, uh, that's when uh, I was full of the Holy Spirit, but I sprung a leak at that moment. (laughs) Because I'm like, I don't need your help on this. I I know what I'm doing. I I got my phone out. It's telling me what to do. And and here you are trying to tell me what to do. And whoo. We had a little argument right in front of the house. We, we got to the house, pulled up. We had to sit there for a minute and just talk it through. Uh, yeah. Just like the fight some of y'all had on the way to church this morning. Messing up all your worship. But it happens, man. And I'm so glad that God is with us in those moments and not just in these public moments where everybody look good and spiritual. Because the real deal is what happens at home when you're alone. And man, I'm not the only one who plays the fool sometime. And behind closed tents, Abraham and Sarah played the fool. You see, God never gets fooled when we play the fool because he knows who we really are. We don't really know who one another is, but God knows who we are. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. He knows who we really are, so we don't fool him when we play the fool. Psalm 103 verse 14 says, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Everybody up in here is dust. And some of us are more dustier than we need to be. And if you hit me at the right day, the wrong time, you're going to see some dust or more dust on your pastor. Mm-hmm. Because the word dust is the word afar, which comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when God created man from the dust of the ground. Dust means dirt. It means clay, literally dust, debris that God created us from the earth, from the ground, from clay, from dust, from dirt. And this speaks of the fact that man is earthly, that man is human, that man is mortal, that man and woe man are also corruptible. You know, at funerals, I stand over the body, and right before the body is committed to the earth, I read from 1 Corinthians 15, where it talks about this mortal must put on immortality, and there's usually an amen right there. But then when you say this corruptible must put on incorruption, it's like, wait a minute now. We're corruptible, we're corrupted, yes, we are. On your best day, at your best moment, you are corrupted and corruptible. So therefore, it does not behoove a Christian to get self-righteous in imputed righteousness. The only reason I'm right with God is because of his grace, not because of my efforts and my works and my lifestyle and my goodness. Because all of that is as filthy rags to God. So he accepts me on the basis of what his son did for me. Yet with all of our dust, we are still God's delight. Yes, we are. With all of our dust, he still delights in his children. I am a mess. But as Isaiah preached last week, I am God's mess and God's masterpiece. I am full of wretchedness. And simultaneously, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And in all of Abraham's flaws, he is still recognized as the friend of God. What you heard Sister Ebony read this morning about uh, uh, Abraham being the friend of God. And as we'll see this whole month, my brother had a whole lot of flaws. Mm. But not only was he the friend of God, he was also called the father of us all. Yeah, kind of like Tupac. He got around. He had some multiple wives. And, uh, and so he's the father of Islam and Christianity and Judaism. And he had about three wives and a few concubines. Uh, 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 he's the father of us all. He was a slave owner. He's the father of us all. He's the friend of God. There has to be some grace in his story. Yeah, because there's grace in our story. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says... If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. We're faithless. We're inconsistent. He's faithful. He is consistent. Because if the covenant was based on our performance, that wouldn't be a covenant. And so here's what we know when God makes a covenant with us. God keeps his word to himself because he knows we won't keep our word to him. I said God keeps his word to himself. He won't deny himself. So every covenant you see, God initiates the covenant with Abram who became Abraham. God went back and even initiated the covenant with Adam and Eve when Jerry said he promised the seed who would come. God is the one who initiates the blood covenants. God is the one who initiates the relationship and seals it with his blood. He is the one because he knows who he's working with, and that's you, and that's me. He's the ultimate promise keeper. He's the ultimate covenant keeper. This is why, oh boy, don't miss this, please. We get into Abraham this month. God is the star of Abraham's story. Not Abraham. Abraham, yeah, good man, honorable, honorable man but with chinks in his armors, flaws, misdeeds, all kinds of things. So the focus is not on Abraham. The focus is on the God who kept Abraham, the God who made the covenant with Abraham, the God who keeps you, the God who made the covenant with you. So the best thing about your life is not you, it's God who's working in your life in spite of the things that you and I do. So he's the star. So when folks look at you, they just shouldn't see all your accomplishments. They ought to know, but by the grace of God, I would not be able to have done all those things apart from him. So the best thing about me is him for real. I'm not just saying that. He is the star of my story. And if God is the star of your story, this means he can still hit a bullseye with a crooked Christian. You missed it. He he can still hit a bullseye with a dastardly disciple. Uh, uh, Since he's the God of your story, he can still work everything together for good because he's the kind of God who resurrects the dead. So therefore, anything good in my story, anything good in my life, anything where you see redemption, it's because of God's hand on my life, not because of my goodness. He didn't choose Abraham because he was good enough. He didn't choose Noah because he was good enough. Noah had a little closet drinking problem, obviously, right? And this is how you know the Bible is real. Because as it tells the truth about the people that God uses, we see their flaws. So that again, we might see the faithfulness of a God who calls unfaithful people. So he's the star of the scriptures, even though we read of these great men and women in scripture. So I just want somebody to be encouraged today that as you are feeling messed up and towed up from the floor, that if God is in your life, grace is in your life. Goodness is in your life. And he has a way of turning things around. Even when we go down dead in streets, he knows how to make a way out of no way. So let's talk today about the lies of Father Abraham. Oh, you're not going to hear this too much. You're going to hear us talking about the lies of Father Abraham. Because in America, we have a tendency of wanting to make our our heroes more sterile than what they really are. Uh, The founding fathers were this. They were slave owners. They they were deists, but we're trying to call them Christians. Because we want to create this narrative. We, we really want to worship people. Yeah. We really want to put people on pedestals and even ourselves on pedestals as opposed to worshiping the God who came down and made himself low that he might lift man up to where he is. But we have this thing. We're going to worship. We're going to worship. And many times we worship people. And when we start worshiping people and we start thinking that they don't have flaws. Wow. Then when you get behind the scenes in their life and you see they got flaws, now all of a sudden you're heartbroken. You're heartbroken that Kirk Franklin cussed his son out and you heard him say the words. What happened to Storm? What happened to now behold the lamb? He cussing his son out just like some of us. I'm not trying to say that it's right. I'm just saying that is real. And if we don't keep it real, we'll never get it right. You missed that. You missed that. If we don't get it real, keep it real. Because Jesus only came for sick people. He came for sinful people. But if we're walking around thinking our stuff don't stink, Jesus can't help us. And we walk around thinking that we're all good and all. Jesus cannot help us. As a matter of fact, the closer we get to Christ, the more aware of our sinfulness we should become. Walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Wait a minute. I'm pressing into him. I'm walking in light. Uh, Well, it's because of the light you can see your sin and see your need for the blood to cleanse you of your sin because the closer you get to him, the more you see you are not like him. And it ought to humble you. It ought to make you say, Lord, have mercy on me, a saved sinner, because I think things that aren't right. I say things that aren't right. I do things that are not right. I feel things that are not right. Because I'm still corruptible, even though I'm born again. Ah, Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abram from the Ur of the Chaldees. And he gives him a covenant. And he says, man, through you, every family on the face of the earth is going to be blessed. I'm going to make your name great. And he begins to give him what is called the Abrahamic covenant. And from Abraham, when you look at Matthew chapter 1, when you trace his lineage as the father of the Hebrew people, he's the first person in scripture called the Hebrew. The Hebrew people come from him. And when you read in Matthew's genealogy, you see the one who descended from Abraham, Jesus Christ, the son of God, who came to save us from our sin. So the Abrahamic covenant finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ who not only came for the Hebrew people, but came for the world. He would come to the Jews, but also through the Jews to the world as a light to the Gentiles. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Verse 10 of Genesis 12, I gave you time to find it. If you are still looking for the book of Genesis, we got work (laughs) to do in Strong Tower. Now, there was a famine in the land. He just got this calling to be blessed. And now here comes a problem. Anybody know about that? Soon as you get blessed, soon as you see God do something great, here comes adversity. That's the way it always works because it's all about testing your faith. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to where? Egypt. Egypt. So this is your black history moment in this message here because Egypt, is on the continent of Africa. Africa. You know, there are a lot of Christians that don't know that because they're taught the kingdom of God through such a Western lens that they think that the Egyptians look like Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, (laughs) Now, Egypt is on the continent of Africa. Egyptians are Africans. So here we have Abraham in a time of need going into Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. All right, sisters, listen to this now. He's like, I know you're fine. I know you look good. He is 75 at this time. She is 65 and still got it going on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for oil of Olay and Kameh and all that stuff. Thank you. I'm messing around. Verse uh, 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 12, therefore it will happen when the Egyptians, the Africans, see you that they will say this is his wife and they will kill me but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister that it may be well with me for your sake and that I may live because of you. Now, wait a minute. You want to be the man. You want to be the leader of the relationship. You want to wear the big drawers. (laughs) But when it comes time to put up, You're pushing your wife to the forefront and say, look here, babe, I need you to lie. Matter of fact, I need you to save my life. Because if they see you and know that I'm your husband, they'll kill me. For those of us on the other side of the new covenant, we know that as husbands, we're supposed to lay down our lives for our wives. Man, it's quiet. Praise the Lord. We're supposed to lay down our lives. But here the great father of faith is saying, baby, you lie. Verse 14, so it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. The princess of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues. Because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So God intervened in this to keep Sarah from being uh, uh, exploited in the bed of another man. Abram wasn't leading, but God, the covenant keeper and promise maker and promise keeper, he watched over Abram and was faithful to Abram when Abram was not faithful to God. And God says, let me close the door up in here and protect this man and his wife. And, and, and And let me say this here. Abram lied because he was afraid. He lied because they're going to kill me. I just want to ask you, what do you do when you're afraid? Do you lie? Do you exaggerate the truth? Do, Do you steal? Do you use your mouth to put other people down when you're afraid because of your own insecurities? Do you hoard when you're afraid as opposed to living with outstretched and open hand? What do you do when you're afraid? And this is the man of faith. Just got the covenant promise and he's afraid. Lord, give us encouragement from this to see that we're not by ourselves. And then God blesses a mess. This man created a mess here. But God still blessed him. And when they left up out of Egypt, they left out with more they went in with because Pharaoh gave them gifts. Now, next week, when we talk about Sarah versus Hagar, round one. (laughs) Hagar probably came from this group right here when, when, when the female servants or slaves were a part of the bounty that he gave to Abraham. So he's going to leave up out of Egypt with all these people, including Hagar, who's going to cause trouble down the road. See, God is there in his faithfulness. But there's a thing called consequences that still are part of growing in grace that we got to also contend with when we make bad decisions and lean on our own understanding and do things that God would not have us to do. But I got to say this last thing here. He left out of Africa with resources. He left out with money and people. He left out with resources. And there's a unique relationship that Israel has with Africa when you read the Bible. Uh, You'll see about Egypt and Ethiopia all through the scriptures and and this combination between the two uh, nations or the continent in the case of Africa with Israel. I'm just saying this, that in this country, we want to try to make there be a relationship between Israel and America that you don't read in the Bible, but you read in the Bible covenant relationships and, and, and where Israel gets blessed by Africa. You see that in Scripture. Where did Jesus go when they were trying to escape from Herod? He and his brown family went into Egypt. And out of Egypt, I have called my son. And so we resist and reject any kind of teaching that says America is God's chosen nation. Because I can read of Africans, but I can't read of North America up in the book. Maybe I'll visit that on Wednesday if y'all come out on Wednesday. I think we're going to get some Olive Garden, so maybe that'll help bring y'all out. Let's close with Genesis 20. Genesis 20. Because I know what you're saying, pastor, pastor, he, he, he was just starting out in his faith walk with God. I got you. He messed up like we all mess up. I got you. I agree with you. But 25 years later, you're going to see this man doing the same thing he did when he was 75. He was a younger liar in chapter 12. And now we're going to read how he was an older liar in chapter 20. Because all of us got some proclivities and and some things about us that are inconsistent with the faith that we talk about. His strength, faith, trusting God, would also work as his weakness. Because when he doesn't trust God, he relies on himself and he lies and he connives. And, And so when you look at what your strengths are... Nine times out of 10, your strength can be inverted to be your weakness. Are you good at administration and leadership? That's awesome. That's a gift from God. But when it flips, you think it's all about you and that you're prideful and nobody else can lead like you lead. So every strength can be inverted and we see it with Abraham. Oh, I got to get on my horse and go here. Verse 1 of chapter 20. Are you there? Y'all lying right now. And Abraham... And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Gerar is in Philistine territory. Now Abraham Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she even, she herself said, he is my brother. So now your lie is getting your wife to lie. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I've done this. And this man is believed to be an unbeliever here, okay? Verse 6. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. First time you see the word used in the Bible is with Abraham. He's a prophet, but he's a lying prophet. Just like I know some cussing preachers. And again, if I hit my foot the right way, anyway, <laughs> Isaiah said, Lord, my, my, my mouth is bad. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a strength, but it can be a weakness. Goes on to say, this man, this prophet who's lying, will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Verse 8, so Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants and told all these things in their hearing. And the men were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you have in view that you have done this thing. And Abraham said, because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place. Can I stop for a minute right there? He's thinking, I'm going into a territory where it's full of heathens. But the man of faith is acting more of a heathen than the heathens are acting. Because the heathens are at least listening to God and obeying God and heeding God and they're upset that this man sinned and lied but the man of God is like, I was coming into this territory. I didn't think y'all went to church around here. Verse 12, but indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father but not the daughter of my mother and she became my wife. Y'all, he gets caught in a lie again. And rather than taking it on the chin, he deflects and tries to say, Well, technically, she is my sister on my father's side, my third cousin, my brother. Bruh, bruh. <laughs> Father Abraham, heaven is. You see these flaws. Verse 13, and it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me in every place wherever we go. Say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham. And he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, see, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then, Sarah, then to Sarah he said, behold, I have given your brother... Is it your brother or your husband? I've given a a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus she was rebuked. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Then they bore children, for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Did y'all see what I just read? God is like, ain't nothing going on up in here until we get this thing right and you restore this man's wife to him. I know he's wrong, but my covenant of grace and kindness is on him. My faithfulness is on him. Even though he's faithless, restore his wife. Nobody's doing anything up in here till that happens. You see, lying is dangerous. Liars influence other liars to lie. Sarah starts lying. A little bit later, their son Isaac is going to tell the same lie with his wife, Rebecca. Once you lie, a lie will lead to another lie. Liars always get caught. Liars always have to remember what they said. When you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said, but when you lie... I told my mama I was going over Carl's house, but now I'm over here at Jimmy's house. And, mm, 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 mm. Unrepentant liars always seek to justify their lies. Our lies always have consequences that harm other people. Abimelech, an unbeliever, just grabbing this pretty woman he sees. He got a wife, he got a harem, trying to grab one more, then all of a sudden he's being judged. God is like, I'm going to kill you. I'm shutting up wounds around that. Because the man of God, not man, but the man of God lied. Your lies affect other people. Proverbs 6, 6 17 says, a lying tongue is one of the things the Lord hates. John 8, says that lying reflects the devil who is the father of lies. Revelation 21, verse 8 says, all habitual liars will have their part in the lake of fire. So as I close, I just want you to be encouraged that you and I are no different from Abraham and Sarah. We have flaws, personal issues, and domestic dysfunction. We need Jesus not just to save our souls, but to save our lives, our very existence. And like Abraham and Sarah, we also have a relationship with an amazing God has made an unbreakable covenant with us and we walk with him long enough and we'll see that it's his kindness that leads us to a lifestyle of repentance. We are friends of God even though we are flawed human beings. So as there is dysfunction in your home, recognize you are not alone. Abraham, Sarah, your pastor, the pastor's wife, and everybody up in here, we're broken, but we're still blessed and beautiful. Thank you. Amen. I close with this illustration. Probably not gonna pronounce it properly, but Kintsuki. Kintsuki is the 15th century Japanese art of repairing broken pottery. Kintsuki means to join with gold. This art mends the areas of breakage in a piece of pottery. It mends it with lacquer that is dusted or mixed with powdered gold. So when something breaks, these artists mend the breakage by using this concoction, this lacquer that has gold within it. It treats breakage and repair as part of the history Of the object rather than something to be ashamed of it turns blemishes and brokenness into things of beauty so as the gold seals and joins together the broken pieces not only is it more beautiful watch this it's now more valuable You're looking at a broken piece of pottery, a flawed follower of Jesus. Your pastor is a broken believer. I am a dysfunctional disciple. But I'm here to say I'm not laced with gold to keep me together because a lot of people try to lace themselves together with gold. But I'm laced by his grace. I'm held together by his grace and I can say like the apostle Paul who persecuted believers and who was a sinful yet self-righteous Pharisee, after coming to meet Jesus, he would say, I am the chief of sinners. Not, Not I was. I am because the more I get closer to him, the more I become aware of my darkness, my depravity, my brokenness. And because of grace, which we sing about, we we talk about, but do we really know it? That Paul can say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And that my past, which was horrible, because of grace, God can use my past to not only keep me humble and dependent, but to minister to other people who are walking in those kind of places. So when I'm a witness and I'm testifying, I'm just not talking about how good Jesus is, but I can share how good Jesus has been to me. And I know for a fact that it's his grace. The songwriter said, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Would you stand with me please as we receive the benediction? But if we won't keep it real, we won't get it right. If we're in denial about our habits, our destructive ways, our patterns, The master can't heal us. Next week, I'm going to talk about how Dr. Jesus makes house calls. He makes house calls. When you can't get to him, he'll come to you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to begin peeling back the layers of the performance-based kind of Christianity that we're used to. The hypocrisy that we're all tempted to give into. But Lord, if or since you do not condemn us, you don't want us to condemn ourselves and you surely don't want other sinful people to condemn us because they have no place. May we be freed up by the gospel. May we be freed up by your love to the point where we can admit we have struggles. And not try to act like we don't. Yes, Abraham lied on a couple of occasions. And he did far worse. And yet, he was still called the friend of God. When we see our junk, might we see you more than we see our junk? Might we see you as the star of the script, the hero of our history, the one who saves and delivers broken people that you've laced with your grace? Help us to get this. And Lord, the way we get it is by living it. Being honest when we're in those low places and low times where we're ashamed of what we've done again, ashamed of what we said again, ashamed of what we thought again. But I thank you that although you sit above the circle of the earth, you look low and you come down low and you've promised never to leave us never to forsake us. Lord, you desire to change us with law with love not with law and rules, love, your love that casts out the fear that will tempt us to sin and lie. So help us Lord when we leave this place to spend some time with you and in your word and And letting you minister to us about the broken places and spaces in each of our lives. And if there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus Christ, oh, you've got to know him. You can say, like the thief on the cross, Lord, remember me. Lord Jesus, save me. I've sinned. I've fallen short of your glory. I know it. But I realized that you came to save me from my sin by dying on the cross in my place, because you were perfect, dying for all of my imperfections, past, present and future. Your blood paid it all. If you've never trusted Jesus, trust him now and say, "Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe you are God's Son. I believe you died and rose from the grave. Jesus, I commit my life to you. Thank you that you've committed yourself to me. That in this relationship, you're the covenant keeper. You're the promise keeper. And I will walk with you and work with you until you take me home. That's the Christian life. If you've done that, if you said Jesus save me, I want you to come at the end of service, shake my hand. say, Pastor Chris, I prayed, I accepted Jesus today. I don't care who you are, how old you are, come shake my hand. And finally, if you are a believer and you need a church home, you think this might be the place for you. Now, if you're looking for a perfect church, you're going to be looking for a long time. But if you think this is a place that you can grow in and be a blessing and contribute Come shake my hand after service today. Say, Pastor Chris, I want in on what God's doing at Strong Tower. If that's you, come shake my hand. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his throne with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Can you give Jesus one more hand, praise? He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. us. Amen. Now go and love somebody else today with the love of Jesus. Amen. I'll be up front. I'll be up front.